Hey everybody, it's always great to be at River Glen. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online. How many of you could use a little bit of motivation when it comes to maybe some of the new goals that you have for the new year? Uh, we're almost two weeks into January now. This is the month of the year that we're known for our New Year's resolutions. And yet, statistically, I read recently that by Valentine's Day, just six weeks into the year, 92% of New Year's resolu resolutions have been abandoned. And maybe you can relate to a story that I read recently. You remember the, the Frog and Toad series? There's one of the Frog and Toad stories called Cookies. See if the, you can relate to this. Toad baked some cookies. These cookies smell very good, said Toad. He ate one, and they taste even better, he said. Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, frog, cried Toad. Taste these cookies that I have made. Frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I have ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad, said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating. We will soon be sick. You are right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. There were many cookies left in the bowl. Frog said, Toad, let us eat one very last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad, as he ate another. Someone made a meme of this, and maybe this is totally the story of your New Year's resolutions. Me and my bestie on day two of my New Year's resolution to stop eating. Uh, to, to lose weight. We must stop eating, cried Toad, as he ate another. Now, I won't read the rest of the story, but they decide they need willpower, right? Because they've got to stop eating all the cookies. And eventually, they manage to stop eating the cookies because they pretty much give them away to birds. And they decide that they have discovered willpower, but Toad says to Frog, you can have your willpower. I'm going home to bake a cake man after my own heart, or I guess a toad after my own heart. Well, if you struggle with motivation to follow through with commitments that you are hoping to be consistent with in this new year, maybe a pep talk will help. And who better to give a pep talk than a retired naval admiral? Admiral William H. McRaven, a four-star naval admiral, gave the commencement speech a few years ago at the University of Texas at Austin. And he based this speech on his experiences 36 years before during basic SEAL training. His speech built on the university slogan, which is, what starts here changes the world. In his speech, he gave the graduates 10 things that they should do if they want to change the world. And at first, the students find a lot of humor in it, but the crowd starts to become very silent as they begin to see the wisdom in he sh as he shares those 10 things, and the speech ended up going viral. Well, here's the first lesson that he shared with the graduating class. Check this out. Every morning in SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they'd do was inspect my bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers would be pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened SEALs. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, 
you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, <laughs> that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. So if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. If you want to make a big difference, start with something small. I need to confess that I never make the bed. Uh, maybe that will change after today. Well, we started a series last week all about small habits that can make a big difference. Ben uh, introduced a, a book, Atomic Habits, that actually was the inspiration for the title of this series. Ironically, my team at Christian Financial Resources, we started reading this book just for professional development a few months ago. So it's kind of cool that it, um, we're, we're learning from it now during this series. One of the things that the book talks about is how small things make a difference. And Ben introduced to, to us last week three levels of change. If you missed last week, I can't encourage you strongly enough to check it out because all the weeks in this series, they're going to build off one another. They all interrelate. Ben introduced the, the three types of habits, and he started with that outer circle, the do habits. This is the goals and the resolutions part, right? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym. That's the do part of habits. Then there's the next circle in. That's the how. This is our systems. These are the actual day-to-day -day habits that help us get to the point that we're doing what we want to do regularly. We're going to talk about those today and next week. But the heart of change we learned last week, the very center of change is who. Who I am, my identity. And many of us fail to experience lasting change because we focus on how and we focus on do and we don't give any thought to the who. But my identity drives behavior. My values, who I think I am, who I want to become, that drives my behavior. And so that's where we need to start. We got some homework last week. That was to write down some who goals. Think about some goals in light of who we want to become. And today, we're going to talk about the how part, the habits and the systems that will grow out of that to get us doing the things that we want to do. Again, going back to last week, we learned this. Studies show that 40 to 50% of life is not the result of conscious decisions, but of daily habits. So most of what we experience in a day is not things that we're thinking about. They're little habits put together that become the sum of our day as we go throughout it. I mean, think about the number of things you do in your day that you don't have to give a lot of thought to. How about making coffee? Do you think about the order in which you're going to do things? No, you've probably kind of got a little routine, habits. You grab the filter first, and then you add the grounds, and then you heat the water, and then you start pouring over. If you put the K-cup in and push the button, I'm praying for you, okay? 
All right, I, I'll confess, I, I drink a lot of K-cups as well because they're just really convenient, but it doesn't compare to the quality of a pour-over, right? I mean, we don't have to think about all the steps in that because we've developed habits that carry it through, carry us through. So 40 to 50% of our daily activity is simply the habits that we've either chosen to put into place or that we have fallen into. Now, some of you are going to take that stat and you're going you're gonna to use it this week. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to do something really stupid. And your spouse, your significant other is going to say, why in the world did you do that? That was really dumb. And you're going to say, hey, weren't you paying attention at church? I didn't choose that. It's just a habit, right? And the response you're probably going to get is, well, then you need some new habits. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about today. We want to try to give you some tools to help you develop some new habits. Last week, we looked at some biblical examples of how habits can make a big difference in our life. We looked at the example of Jesus. We looked at the example of Paul. And we even looked at the example of a guy named Daniel. And in the next few minutes, I want us to to dig a little bit deeper into Daniel's story. Now, if you have heard of Daniel before, what we often think about with Daniel is his encounter in the lion's den, right? And it's pretty amazing how he was able to go with confidence into a den of lions and and he survived, right? He trusted God to care for him through that. That's pretty amazing. But there's some amazing stuff that led up to that that is just as significant that allowed Daniel to be able to pass the test that led to him encountering the lions in the first place. So here's Daniel's story. Daniel was put with a group of young people that were identified as having leadership potential. So sort of put into a leadership development program with some other young people. He did so well in that program that he and 119 others were appointed to government positions. 120 of them in that program given government positions. Among those 120, three were chosen to lead the 120. Daniel was one of those three. Even beyond that, among those three, The king had big plans for Daniel. Here's what we read in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Now Daniel had so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel had so set himself apart in the mind of the king that he was going to get promoted, promoted to essentially second in command in the kingdom. Now, anytime somebody is successful, there are others not as successful who get jealous, right? Who aren't happy. And so that is what happens. Some of the people who who did not get the, the favor of the king that Daniel did, they get jealous and they decide they want to try to bring down Daniel. They begin to look for some flaw in his character, some weakness in him that they can exploit and they can't find anything. Here's what we read in verses four and five of Daniel six. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the other leaders, they're jealous of Daniel. They decide they want to try to find something they can use to to trip him up. And they ultimately decide there's no flaw. There's there's no uh, crack in his character that they can exploit. 
The only chance they have to bring Daniel down is to, to force him into a situation where it looks like he has to choose between his God and the king because they know how faithful to God he is. And that's what happens in the next few verses. Those other leaders, they convince the king, they trick the king essentially into establishing a, a decree that for the next 30 days, no one can pray to anyone but the king. So here's what happens with Daniel. Here's Daniel's response, and it's not something new. We're going to see that it's a part of his habits that have helped him to be the leader that he is. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What did Daniel do? Something he'd done before, something he did daily, but not once a day or twice a day. Three times a day, he connected with God in prayer. Not when it was convenient, not when it was easy, not when he'd already watched everything good that had come out on Disney+. Plus. Every single day, he stopped, he sought God, he listened for the voice of God, he brought his burdens to God, he petitioned God, he let God direct his steps as he interacted with him three times a day. He prioritized his life around these intimate moments with God. What did Daniel do? He developed some habits. He lived out a system that led to his success. A small discipline, prayer with God, that he developed and that had a huge impact. So I want to make sure you realize this. Never underestimate how our God can start something big through one small habit. Never underestimate what God might do, something special, powerful, meaningful, something that could impact a lot of people, but that starts with one small act of obedience. God can take a faithful act of obedience and do something special through those things. And if one small habit can make that kind of impact in the life of Daniel, it can have that kind of impact in my life and in your life. So I want us to take a couple moments and look at practically what experts say are three ways that we can make a habit stick. If we want to be successful in introducing something that will lead to true change, true transformation, we need to do these three things. And if you're taking notes, here's the first one. To get a habit to stick, you have to make it obvious. Make it obvious. Give you an example. In 2001, British researchers, they took 248 people. These were 248 people. All of them wanted to start a new habit of exercising regularly. All of that all of them shared that in common. And then they divided them into three groups. The first group was the control group. To the control group, they said, okay, here's what we want you to do. We want you to keep track of how much you work out. Okay, keep track of every time you work out. That was the first group. The second group, they said the same thing. We want you to work out. We want you to track it. But in addition to that, they provided that group with a bunch of motivational material, books on how in, uh, your health could be improved by exercise. Magazine articles on the dangers of a sedentary life and things like obesity and heart disease and how having an active lifestyle will counteract that. So they provided all kinds of motivational material to this second group. So the only difference between the two was motivation. The third group, they also asked to track when they worked out. 
But they did one more thing, one different thing with this group. They asked this group up front to let them know when and where they were planning to work out. So among those three groups, which group do you think had the most success? Actually, groups one and two, there was almost no identifiable difference between the two groups. 35% versus 38% that actually developed a habit of working out. So all that motivational material they were provided made almost no difference. How many times have we said, oh, if we were just motivated enough, we could start this habit? Maybe I need to watch another YouTube video to get me going on this. I mean, they had all this information and it made no difference. But group number three, 91% of them developed a habit of working out. And what was the difference? They identified when and where they were going to work out. They made it obvious up front what the habit was going to be. Specifically, here's what they were asked. They were asked to complete three blanks in a sentence. I will exercise weekly on blank number one was the day at blank number two was the time in and blank number three was the place. Simply making it obvious up front led to nearly three times the success rate in that study. Experts say that the two most common cues or triggers for habit formation are time and location. You got to focus on those two things. So let's say you want to start reading your Bible more. It's not enough to say that that's your goal, that that's going to be your new habit. I'm going to read my Bible more. Or even to say, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible every day. You need a time and a place. So when and where are you going to read your Bible? I'm going to set my alarm for 6.30 in the morning. And at 6.30 in the morning, I'm going to grab my Bible and I'm going to sit in that chair. And that is when and where it's going to happen. Researchers say habits will have much more success if we can identify a time and a place to go with them. We think motivation is big, but it is not the key. In fact, Atomic Habits, James Clear, the author, says this. Many people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. They haven't made it obvious. And as humans, we are actually really visually oriented. Remember a suggestion from last week? People who want to start a habit of running will sometimes lay out their running clothes the night before they go to bed. I even have friends that sleep in their running clothes. So they're already on when they get up in the morning. Like there's one excuse to limit it. Like what am I going to do this morning? Oh yeah, guess I'm running. They made it really obvious. What do you see? There's a really fascinating study that came out with an airport in Amsterdam. You're going to think I'm making this up, but you can actually read it about it. Read about it in the Atomic Habits book. The airport in Amsterdam... They were so frustrated with trying to maintain the cleanliness of the bathrooms, specifically the men's bathrooms. And having traveled at airports before, I understand. I do not, what it, do not know what it is about men at airports, but they apparently cannot hit a urinal to save their lives, okay? And so they were frustrated with the status of the cleanliness of their restrooms. And so they experimented with something. They tried something. Some of you moms are going, it's got nothing to do with men in airports. It is my house, my bathroom with the guys that live at my house, right? So here's what they did. They found stickers that looked like flies. They placed them in the urinal to give the men something to aim at. And guess what? They reduced their cleaning costs by 8% over the next 12 months. Ladies, you have moms, you now know what to do, right? You now know what to do to fix the problem in your bathroom. Seriously, it, we are so visual 
that if we can somehow make it obvious to see something that will help trigger the habit, it will help us to have more success. So think about that. Maybe you are wanting to make a commitment to eat better. When you stand in your kitchen and look around, what do you see? Maybe those cookies shouldn't be on the counter anymore. Maybe it needs to be fruit instead. When you open the refrigerator, what do you see? You need to, to think about what is visual and how that can help. I heard Ashley Woldrich, a pastor in Arizona, give a talk on habits, and he said this, small changes in what you see can lead to big changes in what you do. Do you always forget to take your medication? Put it somewhere obvious where you always remember. You wanna start reading your Bible more? Leave your Bible on your pillow so you see it every night before you go to sleep. Make it obvious. Those of you that read the Bible on your YouVersion app, right? You have this app on your phone. Make sure the app is on the front page of your home page on your phone. Maybe even go further. Remove every other app shortcut from the, the first home screen that shows up so that it is the only one there and you always have to swipe past it to get to the other pages that have your apps. It will always be the first app that you see. Make it obvious, make it something you see. You need to think about a specific time, a specific location, make it very visual if you wanna be successful with a new habit. That's number one, make it obvious. Here's the second thing we have to do if we want a habit to stick. We have to make it easy. And this can be kind of counterintuitive, especially those type A personalities like me, those really driven people that are like, you know what, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go big or go home, right? I mean, we can also feel, almost feel like if I'm gonna honor God, it's gotta be big or it doesn't, doesn't really honor him, does it? I mean, he, he deserves my best, so I'm gonna give him my biggest. But instead of shooting for the moon, let's shift our thinking a little bit. In fact, listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now understand the context for this. There were a lot of Jewish teachers. They were known as rabbis in that day. They would have followers and they would have very high expectations. They would place a lot of burdens on people who were wanting to, to be their followers. And Jesus is saying, following me is not meant to be burdensome. Now, that doesn't mean following Jesus is always easy. In fact, that's why we're talking about habits that will help us to, to, to follow him better because it's not naturally just going to happen. But when we work to bring things in line with what he has for us, his intent is then that our life is better, that it's not more burdensome. So I want you to think differently when you start a new habit. Maybe think differently from what you would expect. Don't start with big. In fact, I would say, a small habit is better. I was reading the Wall Street Journal uh, right near the end of the year, um, and yes, that does make me a middle-aged man because I still read what's called a, a print newspaper. But on the inside of the very last page, there was an article about making change in the new year. It caught my eye. And this is the first sentence of it. Here's a suggestion for those planning to make big changes in the new year. Consider making them small instead. And then the article goes on to talk about all these things that researchers have learned that fall right in step with this, that if we want to start something new, something small can lead to something significant. This series is called Atomic Habits. Remember what we learned last week? Atomic means extremely minute, microscopic, itty-bitty, 
tiny. So my suggestion to you when it comes to starting a habit that will stick and will impact your life, start with a small change. You may need to hear this today. Don't ever underestimate how one small change done repeatedly can absolutely transform your life. Remember the example of Daniel. One small change. I mean, think about how easy it is to fall into a bad habit. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort to just start scrolling through social media and and all of a sudden realize we've lost 20 minutes doing that. Hitting the snooze button on the alarm clock. It's not hard to to pick up that habit, is it? Binge watching Netflix. Not a hard habit to pick up. So when we want to start a good habit, we want to make sure it's easy so that we can pick it up and continue it because it's a small habit that we continue to, to do repeatedly that has huge potential for transformation. Now, I want to clarify something. I I want to make sure you hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying do only easy things, but I'm saying when you start, make it easy. If you want to start reading your Bible more, you don't need to start with two hours a day. You might start with five minutes a day. You want to start inviting people to church. You don't have to start with 100 people. You start by inviting one. You want to start investing in your kids spiritually. You can start with just praying with them. One or two sentences before bed every night. You want to become a more grateful person. You can start with writing one thank you note a week to someone who's made a difference in your life. You want to be more organized. Start by making your bed every day, following the naval admiral's advice. You want to be a person that's healthier. Start by walking once a week for 10 minutes. You see, here's the thing about life change. Life change doesn't happen when we do something big occasionally. No, it happens when we do something small consistently. Life change doesn't happen when you do something big once in a while. It happens when we do something small and we do it consistently. Consistency is the key. And it's the key because remember what we learned about who? Consistency is key because it reinforces my identity. If I'm doing it consistently, it does become a part of who I am. And our identity will help drive our behavior for a long time. So when we start, we want to make it easy and so that it can be consistent. So how do we make a habit stick? We make it obvious. We make it easy. And number three, we make it involve community. See, the people we surround ourselves with, they're so important in creating good habits in our lives. I mean, imagine this. Imagine you decide you're going to start a habit of working out at the gym. And so you choose the gym, and you go there the first day, and there's a bunch of people there, but none of them are using any equipment. They're all sitting in chairs, chatting, eating donuts, and drinking coffee. So you're there, you got your workout clothes, so you walk over to the treadmill, you start, you speed it up a little bit. So you're going, whew, starting to sweat a little bit, but everywhere you look, it's just people sitting, eating donuts. How encouraged to continue are you going to be? I mean, it's going to be toad. Oh, we'll just eat one more last donut, right? Some of you, you want to change, but you're surrounded by people that make it hard. Some of you, you want to become Brewers fans, but your whole family consists of Cubs fans. I say get a new family, all right? Okay, not really. But you you understand how the people around us make a big difference. Community helps drive the accountability part of habits. And who you surround yourself with will make a big difference. Almost every scientific study 
that's looked at the impact of people around us reinforces this, that the behaviors of those closest to us impact us. And the Bible reinforces this as well. Listen to what we read in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. If we paraphrase that for habits, it would say, walk with those that have the habits you want and you'll start to have those habits as well. Start a new habit around people that don't have that habit and you're always gonna get yourself in trouble. All right, so if we wanna make a habit stick, we've gotta make it obvious, we've gotta make it easy, and we've gotta make it involve community. Now, a while back, Ben asked me if I would speak as a part of this series, and he mentioned that he knew specifically I'd made some changes in my life with some habits, specifically health habits, and we managed to find an image from two years ago when I spoke uh, here at River Glen, right here on this stage. And just a few weeks after this photo was taken, I decided that I needed to make some changes. That was in December of 2018. And so in 2019 and 2020, I began to implement some new habits. I started small. And those habits resulted in transformation. Ultimately, I lost 75 pounds, got off blood pressure medication. I'm really trying to suck in the gut here. So if I'm having troubles talking, that's why. Um, I, I no longer use a CPAP to sleep. And I could say from my own experience that it was small, consistent habits that led to big transformation. And as I've talked about habits this morning, my hope is that maybe some things, some ideas, some possible habits have come to mind for you that maybe you would like to add so that you can experience life transformation. What is a habit that you would like to add to make a difference in your life? What is it that you would like to start? What is it that you would like to experience this year? Maybe it is something relating to your health. Maybe you want to start working out. Maybe you want to eat better. Maybe you want to shed a few pounds. Maybe it's something related to your finances. Maybe you want to try to reduce the amount of debt that you're in. Maybe you want to start saving. Maybe you want to be able to be more generous this year. Maybe it's something related to relationships. Maybe you want to better, be a better husband, a better mother, a better child, a better friend. Maybe there's conflict with somebody that you want to begin to, to bring about resolution to. Maybe it's something related to your faith journey. Maybe you want to read your Bible more. You want to make prayer a significant part of your life. You want to become more confident speaking with others about your faith. Pick just one thing right now to focus on for the next couple of minutes. What is that one thing? Identify it. And now I want to ask three questions that I want you to answer based on what we looked at today about making a habit. So three questions I want you to answer based on what you just chose. Here's the first question. How can I make it obvious? For me, something that helped make it obvious was I found a book that has, had some charts in it. It had a green column, a yellow column, and a red column, and it put different foods in it. For me, it was way too complicated, too difficult for me to try and read labels and figure out or try and calculate calories. I could just look at the chart and it was obvious. It's either green, yeah, that's okay, yellow, eh, avoid it or only occasionally, and red, run away, right? Okay, that made it very obvious for me, and that was super helpful. So how can you make that 
new thing that you want to do obvious. You want to reduce debt? How about this? Grab a bunch of post-it notes. Decide each post-it note represents a, a dollar amount. Maybe it's 100 bucks. And put a bunch of those up on the mirror where you get ready in the morning. And every time you pay down $100 of your debt, you remove one of those post-it notes. Make it obvious what you're trying to do. You want to pray more? Get a notebook to write your prayers in. Put that notebook on your nightstand so you see it every night and decide that you're not going to sleep until you've written in it. How can I make it obvious? Right? Again, thinking about the one thing we're going to focus on, here's the second question. How can I make it easy? I learned this in my journey. I never said I'm going to lose 75 pounds because I knew I would never commit to that. But I could commit to small goals along the way. You know what? Everybody says to be successful in weight loss, you have to do two things. You have to eat better and you have to work out more. But you know what? For four months, I didn't work out a day. I didn't work out one time. Why? Because I needed it to be easy. I needed to focus on one thing, and that was nutrition. And once nutrition was right, then I could add it. In 2020, I logged 1,000 miles running. So I did add it. Remember, it's not that you never do hard, but you start with easy so that you can experience success and repeat it. Pick something easy. You want to start saving? Why not start with $10 a week? You want to read your Bible? Why not start with just five minutes a day? And I'll give you a bonus tip about making it easy when it comes to habits. Starting a new habit is hard. So you know how you can cheat? Instead of starting a new habit, just modify an existing one. You want to start flossing. Don't decide that you're going to start a new habit of flossing. Decide that brushing your teeth includes flossing because brushing is already a habit. You already do it every day. You don't have to think about it. It is easier to add something to an existing habit than to start a new one. James Clear talks about it in the Atomic Habits book, calls it habit stacking. So you want to make prayer something you do daily? Why don't you commit that every time you hit the power button on the coffee maker, the brew button on the coffee maker, you're going to say a two-sentence prayer every day. You've already got the habit of brewing the coffee. I'm going to stack another habit, and that's going to help me start that habit of daily prayer. All right, third question to ask, how can I make it involve community? For me, because I travel a lot for work, I had to be creative. And so what happened was I got ridiculous about texting a bunch of people about what I'd eaten that day, how much I'd run that day or whatever, and they would encourage me. And if they didn't hear from me, they would ask. They would say, okay, where's the photo of you running with the, the running path in the background? All right, so that was my way to try and do it in community. You wanna take some next steps spiritually this year? We just heard about an excellent way to do that in community. Sign up for an alpha group and take some next steps spiritually. How can you form a habit that involves community that helps get you where you want to be this year? And now that we've answered those three questions, hopefully you've landed on a positive habit and what it's going to look like to make it stick. And don't get caught in the trap of thinking, ah, but it seems too easy or it doesn't seem big enough to make a difference because remember, even just one small change done repeatedly over time can absolutely transform your life. Let's pray together. Father, that's what we pray for. We pray for one small change that we can repeat that will bring us more and more in line with the plan that you have for us in our lives. And so, Father, we pray that your spirit will show us how to make it obvious, how to make it easy, and how to do it in community. 
Father, we pray that none of us are content staying where we are currently in our relationship with you. Father, we pray that you put in all of us a burning desire to move forward and show us now what habits, what system we can start so that over time, done consistently, our lives will be transformed. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.